dude, you know, I go to Mexico, right? Disconnect from the NFL, team smell the roses, you know, don't play DFS for a weekend. And I come back after four days and it feels like I, I missed an entire NFL season's worth of news. Okay. Aaron Rodgers lying about being vaxxed gets COVID. Derrick Henry's going to miss two months. Calvin Ridley stepping away from football halfway through the year. Michael Thomas is out for the year. OBJ starting a midseason holdout. His dad is firing shots at Baker Mayfield on Instagram. Henry Ruggs is, you know, killing people left and right. Like, dude, what a week to miss the NFL. Yeah, just a crazy news week. A lot of impactful situations for fantasy football. So we're going to have to navigate that as the rest of the season plays out. But yeah, you picked a pretty bad week to go to Mexico and and not be in tune with the news and not be on social media for sure. Yeah, luckily, I mean, you know, listening to podcasts on all the flights home, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty caught up and, and ready to get into this, uh, this slate here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 176 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down week nine in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. Going to talk some slate specifics, what the Vegas Lions are telling us about the week, talk some chalk, the top cash game plays of the week, and of course, leverage, stacks, and long shots, everything you need to know to have a good chance at banking a tournament this week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open. It's available. The link to join is in the description to the podcast. Joey, this might just be the most interesting slate that we've had all year. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting. Some standout games, in my opinion. And then there's also some pretty horrible games as well. And I will be going to Carolina to watch the Patriots and Panthers play. So that's going to be fun. You know, I'm going to be on Team Smell the Roses, as you just were. So going to be a good weekend. And thankfully, I'm not going to be able to uh, watch these games. Because they are pretty horrible. <laughs> you don't you don't want to see you know Tyrod Taylor versus Tua, the showdown of the showdown of the year. Jordan Love versus Patrick Mahomes. It's not yeah, no. moving the needle I, I think, for you. I think I think I'm good on that for sure. <laughs> Taysom Hill versus uh, Matt Ryan oh. or Trevor Simeon. God, I mean, gross from an NFL perspective, but really interesting from a DraftKings perspective, just because of the pricing this week. So much changed for the first time. You know, we've, we've just have so many interesting values this week, and, and we'll get into all of that shortly. But, you know, starting off from a Vegas perspective, this is an 11 game main slate with eight games early and three games in the afternoon. Only one game with a total of 50 or above. I think it's the first time all year we've only had one with a 50-plus total. The top five implied team totals of the week, we've got Buffalo at 31.5, Dallas 29.75, KC 27.75, Baltimore 27.5, and and Miami making their first appearance in the top five all year with a total of 26. Joey, what's standing out to you from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, the totals are obviously interesting. Only one total... Uh, with a total of about 50 
and this should be a close week just in terms of the NFL games. Um, most of the games on this slate have a spread that is below five. Vegas is projecting for a lot of close games. There's only like three or four games that have a spread above six right now. Um, obviously, like the Chiefs are big favorites without Aaron Rodgers there, and the Bills are big favorites against the Jags. But other than that, I think we're going to see a lot of close games, which is better for fantasy when you know teams stay competitive and the games don't get out of hand. So I think we could see these totals hit the over this week, and I think we're going to have a lot of good and close games from a Vegas perspective. So yeah, no, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this week plays out. I know that you had one week earlier this year where you were really like unavailable to watch football, and you came back after that, and you know you just had like the energy, you were re- reinvigorated you know, recommitted. And that's how I feel, man, taking that week off and getting ready to get back into these games. I'm just super excited. And this is a great slate to dive into. So from a chalk slash cash game perspective, I think one of the most popular running back plays this week is going to be Ezekiel Elliott at 7k flat. I mentioned how Dallas has one of the highest implied team totals on the slate. They're 10 point favorites at home against the Broncos. Mm -hmm. And as we know, when Dallas has the ability to control the game and, you know, it seems likely with them being 10 point favorites, they shift, they shift into being, you know, a run first team, which sets up really well for Ezekiel Elliott this week. Yeah. Zeke at 7k is probably one of the better running back plays on the board. He has had 20 touches in the last, what, five games. Hasn't had less than 20 since week two, in which he had 18. So you're going to get guaranteed opportunity from Zeke. You're going to get receptions out of him in the passing game. And like you said, in game scripts where we can project the Cowboys to be winning, and I think we can do that here with this 10-point spread against the Broncos at home. Zeke is going to be a featured player in the Cowboys offense. So if you can lock in 20 touches, a couple catches at 7K, you're probably going to do that You know, 10 out of 10 times in cash games. So he's looking like he's going to be one of the chalkiest players, but he is one of the best plays on the slate. Agreed. And because of the way that pricing sets up this week, we have value at quarterback. We have a ton of value at wide receiver. We have min price or or borderline min price tight ends that are strong plays for cash. So I think that we're going to be paying up for the most part at running back. And I think all three of the top guys are interesting. Alvin Kamara at 8,200, Austin Eckler at 7,900. And then Christian McCaffrey is kind of the big question mark at this point. He was, you know, he's activated, right? So he can play, but they don't have to give an injury designation. And according to Matt Rule, he was very limited at Wednesday's practice, which, you know, doesn't sound great for his availability this week at 8K flat going against the Patriots. Seems like it would be a really good spot for McCaffrey, but we just don't know what his availability is going to be at this point yeah I would assume that he's going to be out this week Mm -hmm. just from the rhetoric from Matt Rule and he should be back in week 10 so that kind of takes him off the board but if he does end up playing I wouldn't be too concerned about you know the injury with Christian McCaffrey if he's in at 8,000 I'm locking him in to my cash lineup it's just that simple but as it stands right now I personally would project for him to be out so the Next guy that I think should have some ownership is Austin Eckler at 7900 so $100 cheaper. It's a good spot for him going up against the Eagles. The Eagles are a team that gives up the second most catches to opposing running backs, and they are the second worst defense in terms of DraftKings points allowed 
to opposing running backs. And obviously, we know Austin Eckler is going to be a factor in the passing game, more likely than not. 10 targets against the Patriots, 6 catches, 60 yards, and he's what, like the RB3 on the season in, in fantasy football right now? So... You're getting a great fantasy player in Austin Eckler in one of the best game environments against one of the worst defenses against running backs. Could not phrase that better myself. Eckler seems like a stone cold lock this week. He's had one game with less than 22 and a half points since week one. He's just been an absolute monster in the passing game. Five target floor in every game since week one. So, I mean, Eckler at 7.9 in the only game with a total above 50 seems like a pretty solid spot. And then, you know, if we're outside of this top, Top end range of running backs on DraftKings. I think Miles Gaskin is pretty interesting at 5.8. Miami, like I mentioned, has one of the higher totals on the week. They're huge favorites and they're going against Houston, which is just a smash spot for every team that gets to face them. Yeah, I just, you know, always am concerned about Miami and how they split their running back snaps and touches up on a weekly basis. And Gaskin has led the team in snaps over the last two weeks, he played 58%. Salvin Ahmed played 23%. Patrick Laird played 14% last week. And in this game script against Houston, obviously we can project for them to be a little bit more run heavy, but the Texans are getting Tyrod back. He was playing well before he got hurt and he kept the Texans competitive against you know some good teams and I think we definitely could see more rush attempts, but the Dolphins are also a trash team and I think this is going to be a close and competitive game. So I guess that works in favor of, of Miles Gaskin because he's going to see a lot of the, the pass catching opportunity as well. But at 5,800, I mean, I don't know. I just I just think it's too thin for cash. Uh, just the range of outcomes is so wide. And any given week, his snap share could go to you know 20 or, or 30%, which we've seen multiple times this season. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that the range is pretty wide with him. You know, it's it's hard to play a player whose realistic, you know, snap share is between like 55 and 75 in, in cash games, especially in a week where you don't have to do that because there is so much value at the other positions. I think personally in cash games, my lean is just sort of stick in the, in the high end, you know, Zeke and above from a, from a pricing standpoint. But are there any other players that you think are cash viable at the running back position? Yeah, I don't really see much at the bottom of the player pool. I mean, Cordero Patterson is interesting. I played him last week in cash after Calvin Ridley got ruled out and he's only 6,300 and his splits without Calvin Ridley are pretty encouraging. He gets more work on the ground and more work in the receiving game without Calvin Ridley there. It is a tough spot though against New Orleans, but I think he could be in play. And then Hubbard, if CMC is out, I guess we have to mention him. You know, you're going to get guaranteed volume out of Hubbard. You know, 25 touches last week against the Falcons. Just the upside is so low. Like, he's not a good running back, and he hasn't had the same pass-catching role that we would have hoped he had after the CMC injury. So, if you want, you can go there. I personally want it. I would just stay in this top-end range. I mean, Delvin Cook is in play, 7,700. It's a good spot for him. You're getting, you know, elite opportunity, elite talent. And then Kamara at 8,200, I think is in play as well. Although he did play his lowest uh, snap percentage last week with Mark Ingram there. Now, um, definitely going to be a factor for Kamara moving forward is Mark Ingram being there and Taysom Hill probably being the starter 
for the rest of the season. Yeah, and let's talk about that. You know, Jameis Winston is going to be out, torn ACL. So at, at quarterback, you know, we have value this week. A lot of starters are out. P.J. Walker has a good chance of starting this week at 5K. Jordan Love is only 4,400 going up against the Chiefs, and then Taysom Hill at 5,500. And out of all of these cheap guys for cash games, I think that Taysom is the clear-cut play that we want to be making. With Taysom, the one thing that we know is that he's going to run the ball. And that just happens to be the most valuable thing that we can look for in our fantasy quarterbacks. He averaged 9.75 rush attempts per game in his four starts last season. 21.5 fantasy points per game over that stretch. His floor was an 18 and a half point game. It's just a matter of whether or not he's able to be activated. Taysom was limited on Wednesday, but if he goes this Sunday, I think he's a smash in cash games. And and luckily it's a 1 p.m. game. So we're going to have this information ahead of time, no matter what. Yeah. So if Taysom is cleared from the concussion protocol, which it's been a multi-week injury for him, which is definitely concerning that it's been three weeks now but the reports are saying that he should be cleared in time for this game and if he is cleared I definitely would project for him to be the starter we all know that Hill and Sean Payton have a bromance and if Hill starts I am 100% playing him in cash without a doubt wouldn't be too concerned about the concussion and like you mentioned his floor is just so high he's going to have a large portion of the Saints rushing equity and he's going to have a goal line role as well we all know that he's a ball hog the Saints get down to the five yard line to the one yard line there's a good chance this man is keeping the ball and running it in for a touchdown so you're getting what three rushing touchdown upside with Taysom Hill he had uh two rushing touchdowns against the Giants in a backup role and then he got hurt the next week so if he's in I'm playing him 5,500 I don't think it gets much easier than that Jordan Love 4,400 is going to project well. I think he's an okay play. Just kind of hard to play him because we've never seen him in regular season action and we don't know if he's actually good or not, but it's definitely a good spot going up against Kansas City. I mean, you can't be bad against Kansas City, right? Like it's not possible. I don't think it's possible, but specifically for cash games, I think that Jordan Love is just really, really hard to play. Like, we just have absolutely no baseline for what to expect from him in this spot. We don't know if, you know, they're going to try and hide him, play ball control, you know, run it a hundred times with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So, like, I I don't know. Love, to me, the range of outcomes is really wide. I think he'd be a super interesting tournament play if his ownership is held in check. And at this point, he's, he's projecting outside the top six quarterbacks and ownership so I think he's interesting in tournaments but in cash games I'd I'd really be trying to focus on Taysom Hill and if we don't get Taysom Hill there is enough salary to get up to some of the higher end plays Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are both projecting really well this week as well and Lamar Jackson looks looks like a smash play this week yeah Lamar Jackson is 7300 he's just underpriced it's that simple you know he hasn't gotten there in a couple weeks and over the last month he hasn't been that great in terms of fantasy besides his 45 point day most of his games have been 23 points or under and you know obviously that's good like you'll take 20 points from your quarterback but with him being 7k plus every single week you would hope he would score a little bit more but in this spot at home against the Vikings who just got tore up by Cooper Rush Lamar Jackson is probably the best quarterback play on the slate and if we don't get Taysom Hill like you said he should be the guy then in cash 7300 it's a good spot Josh Allen obviously great he's been on fire the last couple of weeks 
29, 32, 39 DraftKings points. Has a 40-point game like a month ago. So he's been on fire. It's a good spot for him. And then Jalen Hurts as well. I mean, we got to mention Jalen Hurts, 6,700. It is a tougher matchup, but in this spot, one of the highest total games on the slate. Close spread. You know, Chargers are, what, two-point favorites? 6,700 for Jalen Hurts. Last week was just a total fluke. This should be a spot where he gets right and scores 20-plus. Yeah, the Eagles putting up 44 on my Lions and Hurts having 11 fantasy points is like a one-percentile outcome. Like, that's never (laughs) going to happen. So I I definitely think Hurts is great in a bounce-back spot going against Chargers here. So, yeah, I I like that. Man, what a week to not play cash games. I definitely would have had Jalen Hurts in my lineup, and I would have been tilting my face off like it sounded. As you were on uh, your your first ever solo pod. Yeah, just a brutal, brutal week eight, man. You know, we're here now talking about week nine and just got to move forward and try and get a dub in cash for once. (laughs) You know, it is week nine. And I think the story of week nine on DraftKings is the value at the wide receiver position. I mean, there are like eight guys sub 6K who I think are, are... cash viable and we just don't see that on a week-to-week basis having so many strong plays in the 5k range like amari cooper 5.7 t higgins 5,300, Parker, 5,300, Kadarius Tony at 52, Landry, 51, Judy, 5K flat, Hunter Renfro at 4,800. I mean, who stands out to you in this group? Like, these guys are are just such strong values this week. Yeah, I, w- I would say T. Higgins is probably projecting the best out of the group. He's 5,300. I've played him, like, every single week over the last month, and it hasn't happened, but he's still getting targets. This should be a close and competitive game and the Cleveland passing defense is not great. So I definitely like T. Higgins at 5,300. Like you said, there's just so many options. So it's going to be kind of hard to to comb through these players. And I think a lot of these guys are coin flips. Jarvis Landry is projecting well. Jerry Judy is probably in you know one of the best spots. 10-point dogs on the road in Dallas in a dome. Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to throw the ball. He looks like a pretty solid play. And then Hunter Renfro should have an expanded role without Henry Ruggs there. And he's had eight targets in three out of his last four games. The upside, obviously, with Renfro is very low. I don't know if I would, you know, just lock him in in cash, but he is the cheapest of the bunch at 4,800. He could come into play. And like I said, these guys are just coin flips to me right now like just literal coin flips. Yeah, I think I think I would be the least apt to play Renfro out of the group that yeah. we've mentioned. You know, I know that, you know, Rugs obviously not a factor anymore gone from the team. He's leaving a 14.6% target share behind, and I don't think that that really affects any one guy massively in the Raiders offense because nobody really plays that same role that Henry Rugs played as the deep threat like, you know, Renfro certainly doesn't. Obviously the targets are likely to get, you know, sort of spread around maybe an extra target and a half for guys like Renfro and Waller, etc. But when you're comparing it to some of these other guys like in this range, I think that they at least have some solid ceilings. Devontae Parker is a guy that you didn't mention, and I I think that he's an absolute smash at 5,300. Came back in week eight after not playing since week four and played a season high 91% of snaps, commanded 11 targets in his first game back, was the clear-cut alpha for Tua, priced below Jalen Waddell, Dolphins expected to score points in this spot, and, you know, like you kind of mentioned, the Dolphins, 
even though they're favored and they have a high total, like they're a bad enough team that I could see this game being pretty competitive in, in a sneaky sense, especially with Tyrod Taylor returning. I also like Amari Cooper. You know, obviously with the Cowboys favored, this is a spot where the pass volume could be really low and Cooper could disappoint from that sense. But, you know, if the Broncos are able to push Dallas in any meaningful way, Cooper is just massively underpriced at 5.7 and the price gap between him and CeeDee Lamb has finally gotten wide enough $1,500 that, you know, Cooper is just a standout play when you're getting that kind of discount off of CeeDee. Yeah, Mari Cooper at 5,700 makes absolutely no sense. This is the lowest price of the season on the main slate. After a 13-target game. <laughs> yeah, after a 29-point no game against Minnesota. So he is looking like he's going to be one of the best plays this week. Definitely love Amari Cooper. And then the Giants wide receivers are are also cheap. Kadarius Tony's 5,200. Kenny Galladay's 5,200. Sterling Shepard is 5,500. And if we get some, you know injury news with Shepard it looks like he is not going to be able to play and if Kenny Galladay doesn't come back I think that would leave Kadarius Tony to be the only wide receiver there and when that happens you know the target upside is boosted as we saw in weeks four and five without those guys there so definitely like Tony at 5200 and that's injury news that we are going to have to monitor I, I think I would prefer him above T Higgins honestly if the if Galladay and Shepard are out, and I think I would prefer him above Jerry Judy as well. Mm. Jarvis Landry, I don't know if you're too interested in him. This whole Odell situation that's going on, and like you mentioned at the top, his dad just roasting Baker on IG, and it really does look like Baker doesn't want to throw him the ball. Like Obviously, I'm not buying into that conspiracy, but... The video is pretty hard evidence that Baker just doesn't want to give this man the ball. So if he's out of the picture, Jarvis Landry is 5,100 going up against Cincinnati, and he's had eight plus targets in his last two games. So I don't know. Would you prefer Tony over Landry or how do you feel about Landry this week? I think I would prefer Landry uh, in that spot just because... You know, unlike Odell, he actually does have a good rapport with Baker Mayfield. So if the targets are consolidating a little, I mean, they're not really consolidating because like you said, Odell wasn't getting targeted in the first place. So, you know, I, I don't know, but 5,100 is a good price for Jarvis Landry. He has 18 targets over the last two weeks. It's a good price tag. I mean, that game could be a back and forth pretty easily, I think. So I, I do like Landry in that spot. I think it's a better game environment than New York and Vegas. So Landry would be my lean there. But, you know, if I'm picking my favorites out of this group, it's Cooper, it's Parker, it's Higgins. And then I think Landry would be fourth for me. If I had to rank my favorites, I think it would be Cooper, T. Higgins, Kadarius Tony, barring injury news, and then Devontae Parker what yeah. would be my rank. I, I also forgot to say Jerry Judy, who I like. I mean, it was encouraging to see him come back off injury and play 72% of snaps. He only had four targets, but that was tied for a team lead. They just weren't passing the ball, and this should definitely be a more pass-heavy script for the Broncos, so... You know, if Judy is another week healthier, gets some more snaps, and it's a better game script for him, he could just absolutely smash. 5K is a pretty egregious price for a player of Jerry Judy's caliber. Yeah, I definitely agree. And cash games are going to come down to which two out of this range do you pick? Yeah. And they're all pretty close, in my opinion. You know, I don't have a lean in really any of these decisions. I think 
obviously Amari Cooper is is the best, but he's priced up a little bit more, a couple hundred dollars more. That's what cash games are in, in 2021, right? Just two v twos, one v ones, and it's going to come down to which wide receivers you pick and if they actually want to produce or not. And mm-hmm. you know, T Higgins. God, if I play you again, this dude better fucking do something, dude, or I'm going to just tilt my face off. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only other wide receiver that I, I mean, outside of this range that I think is like super interesting that might be worth the pay up is, is Tyreek Hill at 7,900. Um, he's coming off of an 18 target game where he, you know, somehow produced under a hundred yards. Like I didn't see any of that game, so I don't really know like how that happened, but I mean, God, like. Tyreek Hill, 7,900, no Jair Alexander. He seems like a clear-cut smash play this week at 79, and, you know, no Cooper Cup, so we don't have to sweat the breaker of slates. We don't have to sweat, you know, do I pay 9K plus for Cooper when when Hill's 7,900? So, I mean, Hill is the standout option at the high end, I think. Yeah, I think Hill will definitely come with some ownership in cash games. He's obviously a great play. Slate breaker with Tyreek Hill as well and at 7900 you could definitely pay up to him you have the salary to do so this week and I think I would prefer him over Devontae Adams uh, now without Rodgers there and Adams honestly his status is in question too because he actually like got COVID right right so he might miss this game although you know if I had to guess I, I think he will play but he could miss but Tyreek Hill obviously in a great spot must win game for the Chiefs Uh, every game is a must win game for the Chiefs moving forward and definitely love him so he's the option and Debo Samuel is up there now too 7800 and he just gets there every week yeah and nobody ever plays him so you know Debo Samuel is a great play I probably wouldn't play him over Diggs or Tyreek but like I said, the man just gets there every single week. Yeah, over 100 yards in three out of his last four. Dude's an absolute monster this year. I just, I can't stomach the thought of playing Debo Samuel when Tyreek Hill is only $100 more. I mean, maybe that's fishy. Maybe it's kind of like, you know, people being unwilling to play Cooper Cup over Devontae Adams and stuff like that. You know, obviously Debo is that dude this year. It's just like, I can't, I can't physically do it. Like if I try <laughs> right now, I'm trying to like click Debo Samuel's name and my finger, you know, my, my hand just keeps going up to Tyree Kill. I don't think I have that in my own range of outcomes. Yeah, but it, it is a good spot for the Niners offense and Debo Samuel's obviously produced. They're getting George Kittle back this week. And I think it, I think it's a good spot for the Niners passing offense at home against Arizona. So definitely like Debo Samuel and he's going to have some ownership as well. And I think rightfully so, you know, he's been great and he's projecting pretty decently too. So I think I like him quite a bit, but I would play him in GPPs and Tyreek Hill in cash games for sure. The only other guy that I want to mention here is DJ Moore, who, you know, obviously started off the year on fire in his first four games, has not produced a game over 14 points points in the following four weeks his price has dropped all the way down to 6400 going against the Patriots what do you think about DJ Moore I mean you're going to be in person for this game is he going to be jamming it down the Patriots throats all day right in front of you or, or not I mean probably not with PJ Walker most likely starting it's been a disappointing month for DJ Moore you know he's hit his quota for touchdowns on the season at at three mm-hmm. so I think we can expect him to not score another touchdown for the rest of the year and he's going to get locked up by JC Jackson. So definitely am not playing DJ Moore in cash. In tournaments obviously he's a he's a fine play, but definitely not in cash game consideration. And a player that we didn't mention at the bottom of the pool and then we can move on is Rashad Bateman at 4K. And yes. if you play Lamar in cash, you could definitely stack Bateman with 
Lamar, you know, he had six targets in each game before the bye. Obviously, he was coming off of injury. The bye definitely helps, you know, gets him even more healthy. He's going to be the clear-cut wide receiver, two on the offense. Probably the third option in the passing game, though, you know, behind Hollywood and Mark Andrews. And at 4K, it's just a good salary saver. And he's definitely in cash game consideration. And I think uh, we got to shout out Hollywood, too. I-, I think you could definitely go there as well. And he's only 6K. Been one of the best fantasy players this season in, in Hollywood Brown. And it's coming off of a 14-target game. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that range is, is very interesting, I think. Um, you know, Marquise Brown, Marvin Jones, Brandon Cooks, all looking like decent plays. It's just hard to get there with, with the salary savings you can get by playing some other great plays for like a 1,000 less. But yeah, Marquise Brown, my son, he's been doing really well all year. The tight end position this week, you know, it's the type of week we love. Some super solid options at the bottom of the barrel. And I think the one that stands out is Albert O with Noah Fant set to miss this game. Albert O is 2,600. He's a sneaky athletic tight end and it's a great price. He He's projecting to be one of, if not the chalkiest player on the slate. Yeah, he's definitely going to be in my cash lineup for sure. 2,600, Noah Fant on the COVID list. And it's a good spot for him going up against Dad. It's just, do you know how to pronounce his last name? I think, I think we gotta we we gotta pronounce his last name right, right? Like, how would you say it, dude? The thing is, is like I knew last year, like I figured it out last year, but I don't remember. It's like Albert, a I think it's a Goomba, a Goombawam. No, that's absolutely wrong. Not nah, so it's pronounced Okuwe Bunam. Okay, a Koa Boom, a Koa Boom, Bunam, a Koa Bunam. Albert Akoabunam. Okay. I'm going to call him Albert O. <laughs> yeah, his last name is pretty tough, but it doesn't get much easier than that in cash games, right? If Noah Fant's out, which it's looking like he's going to be out because he actually has COVID, tested positive, Albert O, 2,600 at Dallas. Doesn't get much easier than that. Just lock him in. And I'm playing him in uh, redraft as well. So easy smash play this week. Agreed. And if for some reason, you know, Noah Fant comes back, which I mean, doesn't seem likely, I think Tyler Conklin is also super viable. Like if we didn't have Albert O this week, I think we would be all over Conklin at 3K. You know, it should be a back and forth game with Minnesota and Baltimore. It's a great price tag. He's involved in the offense. And, you know, the Ravens have been one of the worst teams against tight ends all year. So Conklin is is a viable pivot, I think, at 3K as well. Yep, definitely agree that Conklin would be the chalk if Noah Fant were to play on Sunday. Uh, you just pivot to Tyler Conklin for $400 more. Before we move on to tournaments, I I, I mean, I want to bring up defense real quick because it's looking like the Chiefs at 2300 are going to be massive chalk the same way that we saw the Cardinals be massive chalk a few weeks ago. And, you know, at that point we were like, you know, you really can't play them in tournaments. They're an obvious lock for cash. I think the Chiefs are an obvious lock for cash this week at defense. But it's like, you know, do you eat the chalk at that at that level at 2300 it worked out for the cardinals they got there in their smash spot but the chiefs defense is legitimately bad and i i think that the possibility of them failing is just so high so i think i would be less likely to eat chiefs chalk in tournaments as i was to eat the the arizona chalk a few weeks back yeah no <laughs> don't play the chiefs defense in tournaments in cash obviously you're going to play a defense against a backup quarterback at 2300 and they're at home So in Arrowhead, tough place to play. And their defense, I mean, albeit they were facing Daniel Jones, they were pretty solid on Monday. They got 
you know, a couple sacks. And now they're playing Jordan Love. So it doesn't get much easier than that in cash. But yeah, in tournaments, you're fading the Chiefs and just probably playing a defense a little bit more expensive, you know, in the mid-range 28 to 3,300. Cowboys are 3,300. Charters, 32. Dolphins are 31, who should be a little chalky as well. So I would just get up to that range in GPPs. Yep. Moving on to tournament strategy, leverage stacks and long shots. I'll kick it off with leverage here because I think that it's a pretty clear spot that we're going to want to fire at some of the top tier tight ends. That That's the first thing that stood out to me this week. You know, we have so much salary relief at the other positions at wide receiver specifically. And, you know, not only do we have value at wide receiver, but there's also a ton of ceiling mixed in with those guys in the mid range as well. You know, Albert O obviously a strong play, Conklin a strong play, but there's going to be so much ownership in that range that, you know, you're naturally differentiating yourself by going up to tight end. And we have a lot of the high ceiling guys back on the slate, like Darren Waller, 6.2. I think we like him for all the same reasons. We like Renfro boosted target share with rugs gone. You know, he's the clear cut alpha in that offense. Kyle Pitts is a sneaky bring back for any Taysom stuff you want to play. Mark Andrews has a massive ceiling at 5,500. Like I like getting up to that range uh in tournaments just because i think it's going to be naturally different and you're not sacrificing too much ceiling i think by playing value wide receivers this week yeah i definitely agree and you know obviously these guys at the top of the tight end pool are great plays kelsey obviously great play waller uh 6200 i mean that's just very cheap for darren waller cheapest price of the season this weekend Without Ruggs there, I think a little bit of his target share should go to Darren Waller. He's definitely going to have to be more of a factor in the passing game than what he has been ever since week one, right? Uh, Only one game above 60 yards, and that was in week two after his week one blow-up game. And 6,200 for basically a wide receiver in your tight end spot. I think Darren Waller would be my preferred spend-up option. But the mid-range of tight end is pretty loaded. I think this week, Mike Jasicki is 4,900, Schultz 4,800 if you want to go there. I think Goddard is probably like my favorite GPP play at tight end. He's 4,500 going up against one of the worst defenses against tight ends in the NFL, uh, giving up over like 17 DraftKings points per game to opposing tight ends. So definitely like Goddard, definitely like Jasicki, and obviously if no offense and you, you could play him as well, but it looks like he's going to be out. I think I'm just going to stay in the mid-range for tight end. Yeah, but I mean, even that getting off of the, you know, Albert O. Tyler Conklin range, it's still going to be good leverage on the field because I don't think too many people are going to do it. And Goddard has been really encouraging since Ertz left. You know, he's had 12 plus points in both games and he's done it without a touchdown so you know yep. if he gets a touchdown he's he's sitting in that 20 plus range which is just you know awesome yeah. for a 4500 tight end but i will say goddard is projecting for pretty solid ownership and so is waller and so is conklin those three are going to be three of the highest known tight ends uh, so I think the field is going to be on it this week. So you can get a little bit different. You can go to Mike Jasicki. I think this would be the week to play Travis Kelsey if there was ever a week because you're finally going to get him at low ownership. The man has been owned every single week, but he's projecting for, you know, a little below 7% ownership right now. So this yeah. is what, if this was ever the week to play Travis Kelsey a 7K on DraftKings, you do it this week against Green Bay. And, and you just... 
stack them with Mahomes and you got the cheap uh, wide receivers to to plug in your lineup as well. Yep. All right, let's move on to stacks here. What's standing out to you this week? Who are you stacking up in tournaments? Yeah, so I mean, obviously the Chiefs are my favorite stack on the board this week. And this is a week where, you're, like I said, with Travis Kelsey, you're going to get him at low ownership. You're going to get Patrick Mahomes at low ownership. So obviously it's the Chiefs. Everybody knows to play the Chiefs, but I think people are scared off of them because they haven't been great. Patrick Mahomes has back-to-back games with less than 20 points. They've been in primetime a bunch, and, and everybody has seen the Chiefs offense struggling. From a fantasy perspective, Patrick Mahomes is still throwing the ball at one of the highest rates. The Chiefs are actually passing at the highest rate over expectation now over the Bucks, They're number one in the NFL, and we're going to get lower ownership on Kelsey. We're going to get lower ownership on Patrick Mahomes, who is finally not the most expensive quarterback on the slate. He's only $500 more than Lamar. He's $300 less than Josh Allen, so you're getting some leverage at the QB position with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and then obviously Travis Kelsey, uh, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. So definitely one of my favorite stacks is the Chiefs stack this week. And I think it gives you quite a bit of leverage on the field just in terms of the quarterback pool. Yeah, no, I, I like that one quite a bit. I also think some of the mid-range guys are going to go completely underlooked, like Dak Prescott coming back in this spot. The concern obviously is that it's just a complete run-heavy attack from the Cowboys this week. But you know, everyone's going to be playing Zeke. I think Cooper's going to be popular. So you could stack up like Dak to CD to Schultz and get that at like incredibly low ownership. I like that stack quite a bit. I also like going back to the well on my favorite stack from last week, which would be Justin Herbert to Mike Williams. You know, Mike Williams at 7,100 going to go virtually unowned after a pair of disappointing performances. But you know, he obviously has one of the highest ceilings of any wide receiver in the league and Herbert at 7k at zero, like zero percent ownership is pretty enticing in a game the total above 50 yeah i definitely like the chargers and eagles game and i I like targeting that game in in gpps although justin herbert hasn't been great this year especially in, in fantasy you know only one game in the last month over 22 points and that was his 45 point game against cleveland and He's been pretty boomer bust. Like if you go in depth to his stats, like he's second to last in the NFL in completion percentage over expectation. He hasn't been great. And a lot of people are are finally starting to realize that like Joe Lombardi is kind of hindering him with this short, you know, passing attack. Cause that's not Justin Herbert's bag. His bag is deep throws down the field. You know, he's very accurate and could push the ball down the field. And he hasn't been great in fantasy. Like, if I mean, you really look at it. Lombardi's one of the worst offensive coordinators yeah, like uh, ever. I mean, he gave Stafford like his worst year when he had Calvin Johnson and Golden Tate. Yeah. Like Lombardi, I, I I was firsthand experiencing Lombardi choke the life out of what should have been an explosive offense. Like he's he's god awful. Yeah, that's what that's what I saw on Twitter was people discussing how in 2015 he like made Matt Stafford and what like Calvin Johnson like kind of irrelevant. Yeah, it's kind of happening again and. You know, Mike Williams has been great, but Keenan Allen hasn't been great. Mike Williams, I mean, Mike Williams hasn't been great over the last couple of weeks. And this offense, I think just in general, hasn't been great. So it's definitely 
you know, concerning moving forward. But I think against Philadelphia, I'm not too scared about the Eagles defense. But the way the Eagles play defense is they just want to limit big plays. You know, they'll they'll feed you everything over the middle and underneath. And they don't have like the linebacking core to, to keep up with that. That's why I kind of like Eckler. And then I think Keenan Allen is a pretty solid play this week as well. He's 6700 so kind of expensive, should come with lower ownership, but he should eat up the middle of the field. But other than that, I don't really have too much interest in, in Justin Herbert or the Chargers, to be honest. I, I kind of just like playing this game as one-offs with Eckler and maybe like Jared Cook at tight end. Interesting. Okay. Long shots. Who, who are you taking a, a long shot shot at this week? Yeah, so last week I sent Michael Carter right 4900 ended mm-hmm. up being the rb1 and i didn't play him in the millie so i'm just a stone uh stone <laughs> scrub for that i had him in a couple of gpp lineups but this week for my favorite gpp long shots my favorite gpp plays i will go with a pair of wide receivers that are going to come with little to no ownership this week and their stacking partners are relatively inexpensive and that is Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. We talked about it last week with Jamar Chase. It was an even week. And on even weeks, he only scores 13 points, which he did again, by the way. I told you about that on the pod. That's amazing. (laughs) He scored a touchdown as well, but he only scored 13 points. This is week nine. It's an odd week. So Jamar Chase blow up week incoming. I'm definitely playing him in GPPs. And obviously you could stack him up with Joe Burrow, who is 6,800 and is going to be low on. And then Justin Jefferson, I definitely like this week, 7,500 coming off of a disappointing two catch 21 yard game against the Cowboys. And Kirk wasn't great. The Vikings offense wasn't great, but I feel like they need to get their offense going. They need to get their receivers going. Obviously the Raven side of the ball is going to be owned with Lamar, Bateman, Hollywood Brown, all projecting for decent ownership. And Justin Jefferson is projecting for less than 5% ownership. So it's a great bring back in Raven stacks. And I think he's a great one-off play too. Going up against a secondary that really doesn't have much talent besides Marlon Humphrey. And even then, Marlon Humphrey has gotten cooked this season. So I definitely like targeting Justin Jefferson and... I kind of like Adam Thielen as well. Yep, I I like that a lot. I like JJ as a bring back for any, you know, Lamar stuff that you're going to be running. And I definitely am going to have some Lamar stuff in tournaments. So that one is great. And I I also like the Jamar Chase call. You know, one of my long shots, I kind of want to run it back after last week with Nick Chubb. You know, Nick Chubb has blow up games in his range and we just haven't really seen it. Obviously, he's been out for a couple of weeks, but Dearness Johnson only played 31% of snaps last week. It's a much better spot for Nick Chubb going up against the Bengals run defense opposed to last week going up against the Steelers so I mean Nick Chubb would be a great bring back I think on you know Jamar Chase and and Burrow stuff so I like that he's gonna go under owned this week and yeah I mean other than that I think that you can make different lineups without getting too crazy. Like, it, like there's going to be a couple of guys that are crazy ownership wise, like Albert O and and Zeke and you know Amari Cooper maybe. But I mean, there's some easy ways to get off of those plays and build good lineups without getting too crazy. So I, I like, uh, I just like the week in general and playing balance builds with you know a couple mildly contrarian pieces seems like it's should be enough to get there this week. Definitely agree. And do you have any interest in like stacking up? these cheap quarterbacks like is this the week to to stack up like Tua 
who's 5,800. Jalen Waddell is 5,600. Mike Jasicki is 4,900. And then kind of like building your lineup in, in that fashion and, and targeting some higher priced players like around it that might be a little bit more chalky, like playing the contrarian low-owned team stack in Miami. You get the ownership discount, you get the salary savings, and then just stacking up chalk pieces. I think that could be a, a viable strategy for uh, tournaments this week. Definitely. I, I love the Tua to Parker stack. And, you know, like you said, Gasicki Waddle both in play as well. Going up against Houston, you have an easy bring back in Brandon Cooks there. I also like the Teddy Bridgewater stack a little bit with Jerry Judy at an affordable price tag. Like you can play both of them for like 10K combined. You have obvious bring backs on the other side and you can just stack up your lineup with studs if, if you're in that range. So, yep, Tua, Teddy, I think are interesting. And I'll have some naked Taysom Hill if he becomes available as well with maybe like a, a Kyle pits bring back that i think would be pretty unique as well yeah i i just think that if there was a week to do it just with the options that we have like two was in a good spot teddy bridgewater like you said should should throw the ball a little bit more Taysom hill is viable for sure daniel jones i think at 5600 is projecting decently right now so I think Tua would be my favorite low-owned cheap stack, and maybe it gets steamed come Sunday. We, we've seen it before. A Tua stack gets steamed, but 5,800 for Tua, 56 for Waddle, 53 for Parker, 49 for Jasicki. I mean, you could stack the Dolphins up for cheap, and it's a great spot against Houston. So I, I think that's how I'm going to kind of construct a couple of my GPP lineups is by stacking these low-owned cheap quarterbacks with their pass catchers in good spots and just eat the chalk everywhere else especially at running back uh definitely i wanted to bring up the thing with Tua. by the way you know he can finally breathe a sigh of relief because they didn't trade for watson trade deadline is over you know the dolphins gm was like you know we were just looking into it but we really like Tua. so you know Tua got some reassurance from the team he's going to be laser focused it's a great spot for him he's got 225 plus point games over the last three weeks like this is definitely a two a spot if there ever was one i i think two would be my favorite cheap quarterback for tournaments for sure yep all right let's close out the show here with our best bets of the week we had a clean sweep last week went four for four and i got a good feeling about this week as well i think we're gonna keep the hot streak going yeah so my first bet i got i gotta make this bet i'm going to the game patriots Minus four right now. The line has moved one and a half in favor of the Patriots. I would still be comfortable betting them at minus four. PJ Walker, I think, is going to start this week with Sam Darnold having a concussion and dealing with a shoulder injury. I think that the Patriots can easily cover this and they're finally hitting their stride, you know, coming off of back to back wins against the Jets and a good Chargers team. So give me the Patriots minus four as my first bet. And then for my second bet, I will take the Saints minus six right now against the Falcons, who obviously lost Calvin Ridley due to personal matters. The Falcons, man, they're they just suck. They're not good. And this could definitely be a letdown spot for sure for the Saints, you know, coming off of that emotional win against the Bucks at home with Jameis Winston going down and, and Trevor Simeon, you know, coming in and leading them to victory. So this definitely could be a spot where they just come in and underperform. But 
I'm expecting Taysom Hill to start. I don't think that's baked in. And the Saints defense should be able to just, you know, allow the Falcons to to get nothing going on offense. So give me the Saints minus six and the Patriots minus four as my favorite spread bets for this week. All right. I I like both of those. I I mean, I think that the Falcons are going to get just locked up this week. I mean, you know, Saints are rolling out a backup quarterback and they're still six point favorites. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about where the Falcons are at this point in the year. I like both those bets. I got three that I'm going to throw out. The first is a spread. I like the Chiefs minus seven and a half. It opened up at two and a half. And then obviously we got the Rogers news. And I mean, just from that, that point of view, it's like, I think Rogers is worth more than five and a half points to Green Bay. So um, you know, I just like the value you're getting there. The Chiefs should win this game. I know they haven't been, you know, beating teams a lot this year, point blank, and you know, they haven't really been burying bad teams either. But with no Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams still a question mark in this spot. I mean, seven and a half. The Chiefs should be able to do whatever they want in this spot. And then I'm going to throw in two player props off of prize picks. You can parlay these together if you'd like. For tonight, I like Jonathan Taylor to score a rushing touchdown. I mean, the Jets defense is a Taylor has the best usage of any running back in scoring position. So I like Taylor to score at least once this week. And Joe Burrow over 255 and a half passing yards is is just, I don't know, that's a smash to me. We know that Jamar Chase is going to have a massive a week because it is an odd week. So, I mean, he could account for 200 of those yards on his own. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like those bets. Breaking news on the pod, Devontae Adams is back. Okay. So he should, okay. he should play. Seven and a half. I mean, I don't really like, you know, targeting those extreme line movement bets. So personally, I would stay away from the Packers uh, spread. But like you said, Rodgers could be worth more than five points. So don't mind that. And then Jamar Chase, obviously blow up weekend coming in. You know, he he's my favorite GPP play this week. So I'm going all in on Jamar Chase odd week narrative for sure. All right. That is going to be it. For episode 176 of the DFS Dose podcast, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. For more week nine NFL content, you can check out our YouTube channel at the DFS Dose. We post multiple videos per week. I will be back this Saturday evening with a live stream guest to be announced soon as Joey will be out of town. And, you know, we'll revisit the slate on that and give our updated thoughts as the week develops as we do every week for the Saturday night live stream. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.